This episode of Full Spirals is brought to you by Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record in another program and then just import it. So when you host on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on all of the different listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google, and Anchor does it all. Full Spirals is on about seven different platforms and I didn't have to do anything. Anchor distributed it. The best part? Anchor's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Welcome to Full Spirals, a podcast about how life can take you for a spin, but still leave you grounded. Stories of hope and healing through the arts and the absolute deliciousness of being human. I'm your host, Stacey Parrish. So let's talk about coincidence. Do you believe in them? Do you think life is just a pretty random series of events? Or do you believe that there's something a little more woo-woo going on? (laughs) Woo-woo? Me too. On today's episode of Full Spirals, we're going to take a look at the kind of coincidence you don't ask for, the kind you don't realize is a gift until years, maybe decades later. Because when it comes to the healing process, there is no set schedule and there are no hard and fast rules to follow. And you know what else I've discovered? The exact same thing can be said about the creative process, whether I'm painting, completing a DIY project, or I'm the project, both processes begin with an objective and both processes have a lot of unknowns. They also both come as the result of a choice. These are optional things in our lives. We can choose to create, we can choose to heal, and we can choose to give up on either one. But then is that really living? In today's story, I'll tell you about a time that the universe extended an invitation for me to heal without my permission, I might add, through a creative role I was destined to play. This is a story about the moment I decided to accept the universe's invitation to heal. But first, just a quick word of warning. This is a story about healing, and it does contain sensitive topics and may be triggering to some listeners. Okay, so on with the story. I had just moved to a small town and I was hoping to audition for a show that the nearest community theater group was putting up in the fall. But having just moved into this new house and since having a young family means lots and lots of busyness, I missed the audition. So I basically just thought to myself, "Eh, a fall performance isn't in the cards. So I just sort of asked the universe to take this one and let it go. It was just one of those moments of surrender that happen in our lives. And it reminds me a little of the request that the Banks children make at the beginning of Mary Poppins, like when they write a letter describing their perfect governess, like, here's what I want. And then you just assume it's never going to happen after the letter gets ripped up. Well, we all know what happened to the Banks children. And here's what happened in my case. An audition notice for a different show arrived in my mailbox the very next day. I still have no idea how or why that happened. I'd never worked with this theater company before. I had never heard of them. I had just moved into this new home a few months prior. Being new to theater, I'd never had a lead before, but I'd always wanted one ever since I was little. Additionally, when I was a girl, there were just a few things that made me feel an authentic and true connection to my mom. And one of them was the show that was on this audition notice. The show? 
West Side Story. When I was little, West Side Story played yearly on TV, sort of the way The Wizard of Oz did. And watching West Side Story with my mom on her tiny TV in the kitchen was momentous. My mom would sing and move around with Rita Moreno during the America number. You know, that incredible number between the Puerto Rican men and women as they whirl around the rooftop, exchanging lines of song and dance. I want to be in America. Okay, by me in America. I drank that scene in. The twirling skirts, the syncopation, the biting banter. There was just so much life to it. And it was time with my mom. Music was one thing that we had in common. My mom just got me on this level. And it's a side of herself that she never really expressed with anybody else that I knew of. And it just made me feel special. So I knew that I wanted that number and I knew that I needed to get that part. But the reality was I knew nothing about the actual Broadway show. All I knew was the movie. And as it turns out, the part that Rita Moreno plays, Anita, there's a really important scene for her in the Broadway show that's sort of downplayed in the film version. So anyway, I borrowed my sister's CD of the Broadway soundtrack. Yes, it was a CD. It was 1998. I memorized America and I memorized a boy like that. I taught myself how to roll my R's, pot of tea, pot of tea, pot of tea, pot of tea, pot of till I could do it. I went to that audition and then I waited. A phone call from the director came on a Friday, just as I was leaving for my college roommate's wedding in Brainerd, Minnesota. Anita was mine. I gushed my thanks to the director and she informed me that the decision had been difficult. It was a really tight-knit company and there were some folks involved in the production who really thought that the casting had been predetermined. And I was not the one that was supposed to get the role of Anita. And, you know, maybe it would have been predetermined if I hadn't just sort of popped into that audition out of the blue. But either way, I was so elated to have the part that I didn't even really hear what she said. And it never really registered in my mind. I was so new to theater that I really had no clue what I was walking into. When rehearsals began, I felt really anxious and insecure. I didn't know a single soul in the company or cast, and I felt like such an outsider. I didn't know how to carry a lead. I'd never had one before. I'm not a trained dancer, and I don't sight read music. When I sing, I learn by ear, and music rehearsals have always terrified me for that reason. So the atmosphere was unfamiliar, and at times, even unforgiving. It wasn't until much later that I found out that the young woman who was supposed to be cast as Anita had quit the show because I was cast, and that there were about four others in the cast who really weren't happy about my being there either. I overcame a lot in those rehearsals, and I learned what I was capable of. I've always been pretty scrappy, but I found myself having to draw on some extra reserves. I was persevering in a room containing folks who were actively hoping to see me fail. And eventually, I realized that there was something a little more mystical going on with me. As I dove deeper into the role, I was leaning on Anita, the part I was playing. I was leaning on her to pull me along. She got me through what felt like such familiar bullying and delivered me to the other side to what I can only describe as womanliness. So throughout my years in school, I was always the chubby girl. In middle school, my nickname was Porky. In high school, boys would moo at me when I passed them in the hallway. I was never asked to a school dance, but I yearned to fit in, to date, to have a boyfriend. But I always seemed to pine after guys who either didn't know I existed or were gay. If someone was into me, I wasn't into them. 
and I made damn sure they knew I wasn't having it. So at the age of 31, I was a married woman raising a daughter who had only dated one other person before my husband. I had no concept of what healthy sexuality looked like or what true intimacy was. And shoot, if I'm being honest, I've really only begun to learn what real intimacy looks like in the last three years or so. Intimacy is a thing. So anyway, I was always awkward around boys and men, even though I yearned to be with them. And well, Anita just wasn't. She was more powerful than I was, more frank, confident, and self-assured. She was sensual and flirtatious. She embraced her femininity and her strength. She was feisty, spirited, unflappable, and I, Stacy, was none of these things. I didn't know it, but I was far too wounded. At that time, I would have told you I was tough as nails, and I would have told you that I really didn't care what anybody else thought of me, and I would have been lying. So Anita and I, we became enmeshed. I took on her persona completely, so much so that I would talk in her accent even when I wasn't at rehearsals. She was uninhibited, and so was I when I embodied her. The first time I ever flirted with anyone ever is when I was occupying Anita's skin. Looking back at it now, it reminds me a little of a quote I heard back in college. As an art history minor, we studied Michelangelo, and when he was asked about how he sculpted his masterpiece David, he said, I looked in the marble and then removed everything that wasn't David. And I just feel like that's sort of what happened to me. The rehearsal process chiseled away all the things inside of me that weren't Anita until we were one. Now, remember when I said that there's a key scene that's sort of glossed over in the movie, but is pivotal in the play? It's a pretty traumatic scene. And when I took the part, I didn't even know it existed. And if I had known about it, would I still have wanted or taken the part? I'll never know the answer to that. Thankfully, things played out the way they did, and I just went in clueless. So in this key scene, Anita is gang-raped by members of the Jets. Now, I thought I was just going to be singing and dancing, not acting in a gang-rape scene. But I was a trooper, and I was in. Like, if I don't have to look at something, I can pretend it doesn't exist, right? So I just put my head down and plowed ahead after I found out about it. The night finally came when we had to block that scene. After rehearsal, I walked to the parking lot, got in my van, turned the key, and immediately began to sob and proceeded to sob uncontrollably for the next 40 minutes as I drove home. And every single time we ran that scene moving forward, I had the same emotional response, and I didn't know why. I mean, was it upsetting to play that scene? Sure. But sobbing uncontrollably every time? The reaction just didn't seem to match the situation. Our director was wonderful and really understood the catharsis that can happen in theater. She grew up around it. Her parents had owned and operated an outdoor theater venue in Milwaukee called the Melody Top. So theater was literally in her blood. And she just knew what I needed instinctively. I mean, she didn't know what was going on inside of me any more than I did. But she knew that if an actor needs emotional space after a scene, you need to give it to him. So to get me through our performances, she actually had a runway created for me to run off into so that I could sob for a while and collect myself every night. During every performance, I had the same release. And each night, it was Anita that helped me pull myself back from the brink. It was awful and gorgeous and sublime. By the end of the run, I really felt like I needed Anita in my life. Like, who even was I anymore without her? So around that time, someone had recently turned me on to the practice of writing letters to move through grief. So I decided to write a farewell letter to Anita to see if that would help me with my sadness. It was written days before the show closed in October of 1998, 
And it started like this. Querida Anita, to say that I'm going to miss you is an understatement of gargantuan proportions. What you've meant to me is freedom. What you've meant to me is faith, devotion, commitment, hard work, love, support. You're feisty. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're sexy. We've been through so much together. Feeling you come alive in me is a sensation I'll never forget. The day I got the call from Jackie, we were on our way to Minnesota. Oh, the excitement. I had no idea then what you would come to mean to me. I had no idea you were going to share my blood, my thoughts, and my heart. Please don't leave me now that I need you most. You're stronger than me. Anita, you've come to be a part of me. You've come to be someone I treasure within myself. I pray to God that I'll never lose you. I need you. You were my first. You were my best. We were one. Until we meet again, I'll just say, Buenas noches, Anita, Josefina, Teresita, Beatriz del Carmen, Margarita, etc., etc., etc. Love, Stacy. So with that, the show closed. I got up the next day, morose, bawling, dreading that hole that Anita left inside of me that I'd have to figure out how to fill. And late that morning, the phone rang. It was my doctor calling with the results of a pap test that I'd had a few weeks earlier. And running through my head was, wait, don't they normally send a letter with the results? So they called because my results were abnormal, not level one, not level two, or even level three. It was level four, precancerous cells, carcinoma in situ. And we were going to have to make an appointment to get those cells removed. So I was a smoker at the time. And obviously there is a link between cancer and smoking. And to be a little frank, this diagnosis, it scared the shit out of me. I had a husband. I had a little girl named Bailey, just two years old. I knew what I needed to do because I knew what Anita would do. So I quit smoking cold turkey. What I didn't know was that there was a storm brewing inside of me, a perfect storm, and that breaking an addiction might maybe cause that storm to rage. See that rape scene that I just played over and over and over again shook something loose inside of me and breaking my addiction to cigarettes tore away at the wall that held my defenses at bay. And my little girl being two years old, the age I was when abuse began in my life, cut the last threads holding my denial in place. So without the preoccupation and numbing effects of cigarettes, the intrusive thoughts and flashbacks began. Pictures, flickers, sensations in my body, unsettling images that made me ask, what in the world was that? Did that happen to me? Over the next several months, snippets of more complete memories began to emerge, recollections of games that my brother would play with me when he was babysitting. These I actually remembered, but had never given a second thought to except now I realized I couldn't pretend the things that he did were normal. Repressed memories came back of abuse with my brother, a cousin, and my father. I still have the journal that I wrote in while I was in therapy. And one of the most poignant passages at this point is from May 8th, 1999. I was just crying uncontrollably and Anita pulled me out. Of course she did, because now Anita was here to stay. My mind protected me and kept all of those memories safe until I had what or rather who I needed to see me through my healing process. And who I needed was Anita. She spiraled into my life through my mom's kitchen and Rita Moreno's twirling purple dress. And even though my mom never did find a way out of that kitchen, she's still the one who led me to Anita without knowing what Anita would come to represent in my life. Because as we now know, Anita and I we traveled down some remarkably similar paths. And the strength I thought she lent me 
was mine all along. I just didn't know it. When I accepted that role, I accepted the universe's invitation to take a spin through the creative process and the healing process. And the spinning sometimes left me breathless. Yes, but as the expression goes, life isn't measured by the breaths you take, but by the moments that take your breath away. And so many decades later, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't change the way this coincidence played out. So let me ask you this. Do you believe in coincidences? What coincidences have taken you for a spin? Join me on the Full Spiral's Facebook page and tell me your story. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Then rate, review, and share Full Spirals with your friends, your fam, the community, because we're all in this together. Till next time, take care. Thank you.